You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and Andy and I are back again. It is the Stanley Cup finals the eastern conference has been decided the western conference has been decided and we are now at the last round the minimum the maximum seven games left in our hockey world until the nhl draft which is super exciting for andy and i i know we're pumped for that but we kind of want to break down the uh the conference finals and talk a little bit about the finals and you know i know i got a couple questions for andy regarding the finals and the New York Rangers. But uh, Andy, first off, let's see how you're doing. Doing good. Uh, it was fun watching that uh, game six last night as we record this on um, a Friday afternoon. Uh, you know, I, I the result didn't surprise me, but uh, yeah, you know, it, it's for a second there, I was like, there was a, there was, I'd be lying if there wasn't a little part of me that was like, it's Tampa just, once again, going to find a way to shoot themselves on the foot and lose this game because it kind of played out. It was starting to look similar to game five Mm -hmm. and then go to OT and just no matter what they did, just couldn't get one. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, the Islanders have been so good at that counterattack style. You know, Brock Nelson gets a breakaway, like, you know, similar, almost similar to he's had a few that, you know, for in the series. So I was just like, oh, man. But, you know, Vasilevsky comes up big. He wasn't going to let it happen to him again. And then, uh, you know, Sorelli, who was uh you know, he gets hurt earlier in the third, I think, or in sometime early in OT and everyone's a little like, oh boy, you know, this could be bad, but you know, comes back, he's good. And then, uh, he gets it done off of a kind of a weird broken play, but gets to the you know, good four check gets to the net and, uh, yeah, I mean, makes it happen and, uh, sends the lightning to the Stanley cup final for the second time. And when was them in Chicago? Was that 2015? It was the year after the Rangers? Yeah. yeah. After the Rangers and the Rangers. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, headed back and, you know, the Tampa, the depth, unfortunately, uh, or I guess fortunately, maybe fortunately for Rangers fans, but unfortunately for Islanders fans, yeah, just too much for the, the Islanders to overcome. Now, uh, a couple things that I wanted to talk about. Uh, number one, I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. You got a little nervous. It did seem like game six was just going to be like another game five. The Islanders just kind of lingering around, getting out shot, getting outplayed 
and you're like, all they're going to, all they're going to do is get a little spark of energy. Barzell's going to bring the puck in his own. Something's going to squirt out, uh, you know, into the slot and they're going to be, you know, bury home the game winning goal. Thank God that didn't happen. Listen, I had, I had an early morning. So I, I went to bed after uh, the Islanders killed off the back to back minors. I believe that was in the first or beginning of second. And in my head, I was just like, this could be the game. I mean, if, if, you know, Tampa fails to score here, you know, with four minutes worth of power play, this is, this is an, uh, this is like volleying for an Islanders, you know, slam right back at you. And, you know, luckily the Islanders weren't able to capitalize. I thought Islanders power play, uh, you know, need to be better in order to beat Tampa Bay lightning. Uh, and, you know, <clears throat> you know, I have to say, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not overly, uh, ecstatic about the Islanders losing because now we're facing a Stanley cup final. And I don't know when hockey is going to be back. I know after the draft, it's one of those things where you're looking forward to like a, a party or an event in your, in your future, but you're also like thinking about how you're going to feel afterwards. And you're going to be like that sadly, like I look forward to something so much and now it happened and now I'm sad again. So, yeah. uh, you know, I'm just glad. I just hope this goes seven games. I don't really care who wins, but, uh, you know, one characteristic I wanted to bring up to you before yeah. we get in, you know, obviously we're getting into it now, but before we get into the matchup is the one theme I see with both of these teams is how good their defense uh, and how smart their defense are when activated. And I really do think that both of these teams really you know, really benefit from having defensemen that can, you know, jump into the play and make plays offensively. And it gets me excited because I kind of see the Rangers have some of those defensemen. So what are your thoughts on that? That's a real good point by you. I mean, listen, Hedman wants that con Smythe. He's hungry. Mm-hmm. He he's he's he might be in a different category altogether just because he's just dominant all over the ice. But honestly, uh just even with the, uh, you'd say the Isles, their decor is getting older. You know, they, they picked up Andy Green, who, uh, you know, it, I, you could see how that was a worthy investment because some of the, he doesn't panic in some of those moments where you could really panic. But at the same time, you could see how maybe the aging curve on him. But even guys that have, have maybe had a rougher go of it in the recent years, like Letty, who started to decline a bit, looked amazing. I thought Letty was their, the Islanders' best player or one of their best players uh, last night, even though it was a losing effort. But yeah, to your point, uh, just both team activating their D a lot, because that's what it's going to take when you're, you have two really uh, stingy defensive teams, you know, even though Tampa's such a high power, they have so much offensive depth, but you know, they with between the Islanders and the Columbus, they've had to kind of play a little bit more of a safer style to really make sure they're not going to get pounded on that counterattack. And a lot of that is and breaking through that is, you know, getting it back to the point and them walking down for quality shots when they can, but making sure, you know, your, their deep partner makes that adjustment. They swing back a little bit as they, you know, and towards the center so they can try to break things up if teams try to go the other way. But yeah, both teams did an excellent job with that. Uh, you know, I give Kevin Shattenkirk a lot of grief, but you know, he's pretty good at that. Uh, you know, a, a guy who really surprised me this series was at least offensively was McDonough, who he's been really good. You know, I think he at least this versus the series versus the Islanders, he was very good. You know, I think he struggled a little bit in the beginning of the play, but he was coming back from an injury. So he's probably just getting his feet under him. But now he's just been 
just really smart decision making guy, you know, even Bogosian, like these are guys that aren't necessarily the most offensive players in the world, but just it's part of their system They're That's what, what it's take, you know, what it will take and what it did take. So yeah, seeing those guys activate on the walls uh, in key moments takes a lot of cojones, especially, you know, it helps if you're paired up with Hedman who can cover so much ground and maybe cover for you. If he's, you know, if he, if you're the one who's jumping down and he's going to stay back and make sure nothing goes back the other way, but yeah, it was interesting. And as for the Rangers, you do see, you know, guys like Fox and Tony with their skating ability, uh, you know, K Andre events eventually, you know, and who knows, like some Nils Lundqvist, who's a smarter, smarter kid, you know, I, it's definitely there, you know, and even honestly, I'll even say a guy like Truba is, who's been known to can walk in and kind of let one rip with that slap shot. So yeah, I, to your point, you know, you saw a lot of that because that's definitely what it was going to take. And that's kind of the a common theme. And I, it, you know, even Dallas a little bit, it's just, they love getting it back. You know, they have mobile D between Hayskin and Klingberg. They love getting it to those guys and they can, yeah, they can just generate shots, try to get the shots through. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, looking at the Tampa series, because obviously, you know, having a little recency bias, you just see how uh, important it is to have just the, the five man system where everyone gets involved and how important that is. And, and, Honestly, like watching Dallas and Vegas, I felt like Dallas was just was able to activate all five guys and utilize all five guys where you kind of saw Vegas. And this is just my opinion from what I watched was that they kind of went to an individual game once they fell behind. And I think it was a little bit of a panic situation. I think they knew they were expected to win. And once, you know, once the puck drops, you know, it doesn't matter what any analyst says. It doesn't matter what you did in a regular season. It doesn't matter what you did last round. And, you know, again, I, I, I didn't believe in Dallas at all until right now. And I hope that I personally don't jinx them because I feel like I have that much power in the universe that, you know, I, I believe Dallas has a real good chance of winning the Stanley Cup. And now they're probably going to get swept. But you know, watching, like, watching, like, Heiskanen, like, it's unbelievable what this kid's able to do and, and how they generate offense and how they, uh, just the placement of shots on, on goal to create rebounds, create deflections, uh, you know, and you, you know, obviously you have Pavelski on the team who might have the, you know, best hand-eye coordination maybe in the history of the game. And you just see, you know, it's exciting to see this style of hockey being, you know, so dominant because I really do think that the Rangers have a future in which their defense are going to be in the similar situation where they're allowed to be activated, where they're, you know, jumping into plays, creating offense, where they're, you know, driving down the seam and, you know, uh, in the offensive zone to create traffic in front of the net and, and bury home any rebounds or, or, you know, get a puck, you know, get a pass in the high slot and get a shot. Like you see Hedman did the other night against the Islanders and you see how much that spreads out the defense. And it's kind of like watching what teams were doing to the Rangers earlier in the season this year. Yeah. And I think to your point, the biggest thing that every year, the eventual Stanley cup winners, you know, they play different styles. You know, we've seen some more bigger body teams win. We've seen, you know, maybe more offensive, uh, gifted passing teams win. We've seen good rush teams win, but the one thing they all every year have in common, and even last year with the Blues, is that their their guys understand that no matter what situation they're in, if they're on the rush, if they're trying to break out of their own end, if they're on the wall in the zone, and they have uh, 
defenders or four checkers coming in on them that they know where that support is. They have that ladder of support and you can, the puck can always get up the ice. And, you know, obviously it helps with Tampa that not only do they have that, they also have the individual skill where they can wrap a puck on their backhand, you know, to the center of the ice where that center who's kind of maybe swung back a bit can then hit it with speed and hit the line. And then it kind of puts the defenders on their heels. Or if they're on the wall, they know they can just do a, a blind wrap, but they understand, you know, out of the corner of their eye, they know that their teammate is coming because everyone's paying attention. They're all dialed in. And I usually think that's why, even though, yes, uh, due to the, ca- the salary cap, younger players are such a worthy commodity. You look at cup contenders and they're usually older teams, you know, not, not like super old, but yeah, they're usually on the older side because they have that experience. They know what holes they, they're more attentive to the holes they need to fill as opposed to, you know, kids who could have all the individual skill in the world, but just not, you know, not really quite getting it yet about, you know, just being able to read a game and read different situations where these guys have so many reps under their belt. They just, they understand what they have to do. So yeah. Um, it was definitely, you know, I think going into the cup final, you have two teams that are, uh, yeah, honestly, this one is, I don't even know how to call this one. Cause I mean, you know, on the one hand, Tampa does kind of have that we will not be denied thing going on. But then to your point, you talk about, you know, how good Ben has been and just all the vets they have and, uh, you know, Pavelski. It's like a and, team of destiny right now. Like, Yeah, it's kind of almost like two teams of destinies. Like, mm-hmm. you know, one is the one that's like has coming off of, uh, well, they probably will never get it done and wanting to prove a point that they are as just every good bit as good and dominant as they say. And the other one is kind of similar in that Dallas is a team that had uh, you know, they're maybe a bit, their core is a bit too old, like, you know, Sagan and uh, Ben can't, you know, can't get it done. But now all of a sudden it's like, you know, even I think uh, Jamie Ben has said just even, you know, he's the captain, but the second Pavelski walked in, it becomes like you have another prominent leader in that room to lead those, you know, a lot of those guys. And yeah, and obviously Heis- Haskinen is amazing. You know, I, I love Makar and I love uh, Hughes, but I don't know, man. If you said you, you, the Rangers could have any one of those kids, you know, I think I would pick Haskinen just because you that situational awareness and his IQ, his defensive IQ, and just overall his overall two hundred foot IQ is so high. Whereas the other two are obviously gifted and and have good reads for the game, but not like that. They're more just off of their up tempo skill, where he's clearly can fill like water. You know, he just fills any spot you need him to fill, and it's amazing. So, and it's such a huge advantage in the playoffs when you need that. And yeah, um, I, I don't know if you agree with this, but I mean, going into the Stanley Cup final, if you had like again, I don't really know who's going to win. I really do think Tampa has shown that they are willing to adapt and change the way they play based off who their opponent is. I think that's a huge advantage that they have. Yeah. Disadvantage, I'm going to say Tampa Bay, I don't know. Are they healthy? Like, if you take, if you obviously take point out of the equation, I feel like that's a huge loss for them. And I don't know how healthy is. And like, is Stamkos coming back? Like, I feel like this team could be starting to get beat down from the physical style they had to play against the Bruins to, you know, the cerebral game that they had to play against the, the Islanders where, you know, you just the, that mental energy that you have to, you know, have in order to just grind that, you know, team out. Whereas Dallas kind of is feeling good about themselves. Yeah. And have had, have had a good amount of rest. Whereas uh, yep. what one day is going to be one day, one day of rest for 
to try to take down a stingy Islanders club. You know what I mean? Like you said, Sorelli took a hit. He came back, but is he hurt? Point has been, they've been trying to keep him out, but you know, there's a feeling that he was a game time decision. There was a, even though he's looked really good, there was that feeling that they only put him in because they, they thought they had in the bag, but then they're like, you know, we want to rest him because he needs it, but we can't afford it. We have to get rid of the, if we don't take, get rid of this Islander problem now, it's going to bite us, you know? So he played and, you know, you, like you said, you don't know if Stan Coast is coming back and you have a confident, uh, probably a little bit more physically intimidating team than the Islanders and in, in Dallas. You know, Ben is tough to contain. You know, some of their Corey Perry is a is. Yeah, he's a he's a tough cookie. He's, and he's definitely, you know, can get into some extracurriculars. Yeah, just they have a pretty big, stout mobile team. And uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I don't I really honestly don't know how to call this one. You know, if I'm Tampa, you. I hate to say it, but you really have to blitz Dallas in game one. Cause I just think if, if Dallas just can get ahead, I think that might be it, you know? Yeah. And I never believed in rest in the playoffs. You know, I always thought that if you ended the series early, that it was more of a disadvantage than an advantage. Yeah. But I think th- this year is so unique that these teams, these players are not used to giving, exerting this much energy in such a short period of time. Yeah. And the recovery days are huge. You know, they, they come yeah. off not playing for months. Now they're in a sprint. And I think a team that could not really let off the brakes a little bit, but almost have that just even even the mental advantage, even yeah. if it's not physical, just a mental break of being like, OK, I can take a few days off and prepare for what's coming at me. And, you know, it's huge. It's really huge for these teams. Yeah. And um, uh, another question I had for you was, you know, do you think I, – I don't know if Tampa was a surprise, but I, I really do think that going into the playoffs last year, you know, they got knocked out early. I think people, and including me, thought, you know, maybe this team really isn't built for the playoffs and maybe they have a disadvantage of not playing that gritty style. Um, but obviously Dallas was a huge surprise this season to make it to the Stanley Cup final. What What did you find – to be the most unique thing about the playoffs this year, as opposed to, you know, other normal years. Um, you know, trying to separate the whole <laughs> bubble thing and just strictly to on ice play. Yeah. Yeah. On ice play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, definitely, you know, I think every, it's kind of hard because every few years you kind of see a watershed and how the league, at least, you know, a, a bit of it's copycat, a bit of it's just, kind of has to do with how much more skill is getting infused. Um, I just think, honestly, this is the first year where I have seen such a better melding of, you know, I think it's back to your point before, is that it's been less like guys specifically out there just to crash, you know, maybe minus a Martin or a, a Clutterbuck, but mm-hmm. it's almost like you got, you really have to be able to do both. You know what I mean? Yes. Like and or and transition quickly like you have to dump the puck in the corner you have to really get in on that four check you have to separate and then immediately you have your vision has to be on point you have to know where your your teammates are and yeah it's just it you know like it's it's just kind of a testament to where the league is you it's like now everyone it's just the bar keeps getting raised on what constitutes those lower lines because usually it was just like whatever we're just a, a crash line but we you know couldn't 
be able to pot in greasy goals, but sometimes it's like the quality of the plays you need to make to beat some of these goaltenders, you know. And I think that's speaking to how good that third line of Tampa has been of Col- what is it, Coleman, uh, Palat, and um, Kalorn, right? Yeah, or is yeah. Kalorn on the fourth line? I'm not, I'm not even sure because well, I feel like they've done some rotating, but they rotated with point being out. Yeah, but um, but yeah, that's the thing is that they've been the most effective line because I think they've been just it's been easiest for them to use their that the gritty two way attitude to get in, but then they can immediately, you know, once they have control of the puck and they're on the wall, they're like, all right, we're going to start cycling it. You know, it's just, I think it's just been eye opening that about how good the league is getting in terms of like, you have to really be able to do, you have to have individual skill. You know what I mean? It's not, not like you can have one guy in your line who isn't skilled, but is like four checker. It's like, no, you all, everyone has to do it as well. And that's why honestly Maroon is really, like I, you can see how he's made for the playoffs and because like, you know, when he's F when the efforts there, he can skate well enough, you know, maybe he's a little slow, but you just can't get the puck off of him on the walls and he can make, he can make plays, man. He can find his, his teammates. He knows where to put it. Like he, he knows when to be aggressive and take shots on goal. And, uh, well, yeah, it, that, that's really what stood out to me, honestly. Yeah. And, in and the, I kind of feel the exact same way. Uh, I just feel like this year it's been more of a game of chess and strategy and, you know, as a, as opposed to just playing the physical gritty style that we saw like St. Louis just be kind of just beat the shit out of the other, your opponent. And then you dictate the play. Whereas this one is, I feel like it's a little bit more, uh, you know, I keep using this word, but cerebral where, you know, you, you do need to roll, a system instead of just rolling four lines it's no longer just about depth it's depth with a purpose and you know it's not just about having defense that are offensive it's defense that can create and uh you know have the ability to either move the puck up move it themselves and be creative uh and it's not just about crashing the net it's crashing the net you know smart where you know you have high low presence and you know it's about you know being first to the rebounds, being winning the the board battles. And, and I know that's like always standard hockey, but sometimes in the playoffs, it's the team that is more physical when can edge them out. But this, I just feel like, you know, it's, it's really the team that's best managed. And, you know, I, I give it out to the coaches. I, I feel like Cooper has changed the entire way Tampa has approached each series. And I'm super impressed with them. And I'll, I'll hand it to Dallas. You know, it's not easy losing your coach midway through the season. And then, um, you know, for personal reasons, and then, you know, have, you know, everyone come together, have the virus happen, come back and be like, you know what, we, you know, we have the skill here. Let's, let's finally put it together as a unit. And, and, you know, Dallas was always the team that had all the pieces, but did the pieces fit together? And you're finding out that, you know what, not only do they fit together, they're fitting together pretty damn well. And it's a huge advantage in, in the playoffs that they have so many different styles that they can adapt to. And you see them, you saw them beat different type, different style teams where, you know, man, Vegas was such a depth team that I thought was a shoe in for the Stanley Cup final. They took care of them, like broke, broke that whole system up and just, you know, just, you know, gave them a beat down. And then, you know, they escaped uh, a team that was so potent offensively in, in Colorado. And it's just like they adapt, they get through it. They have people stepping up and it's just exciting to watch. And, you know, 
I know it's a Rangers podcast and to bring the Rangers into it, it's like now you see what needs to be happening and is expected in the playoffs. And I really do think this might be a pivot point for the future, uh, not of the Rangers, obviously, but of the entire NHL and how the game is played. Yeah, it's well said. And I think, you know, going back to talking about uh, the difference in this playoffs with such a, you know, because they're trying to get this over with, you know, A, for the draft and B, because they don't know what the future is going to be bring and they just want to limit as much uh, potential outside exposures. And, and obviously a bubble's expensive. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, I think another thing is that Tampa is really, you know, with you talk about those adjustments, Tampa is really dialed into that Islanders system still. And they're, mm-hmm. you know, they, they dispatched them 24 hours ago or, or less, a little less, but still, I mean, just having the chance to mentally reset and say like, ha- like, cause yeah, to your point, it kind of, for the longest time, the playoffs have, have have felt like, all right, it's my kung fu versus your kung fu, right? And, yeah. and whose kung fu is going to win out? But exactly, um, you know, this time it's different. It's about how do you keep the core tenets of what your team does best, but make the necessary adjustments so you can explain. You know, you can use that. You can do it because there are teams that are, you know, it's kind of, and like you said, it's it's kind of like chess. Each team is changing their identity a little bit. You know whether or not it's like they realize, okay, well, this team doesn't score a lot of goals, but they're stingy like us. So we can maybe afford to push the pace a little bit more than we're comfortable with or used to, or we're going to have to, because it's like, you know, we, we, we both, you know, like we need to, whoever scores the two goals is going to win. You know what I mean? Or against a team like Tampa, you you know, Columbus almost uh, brought them to the limit and just by being, you know, super, super patient and stingy early on. And Tampa, you know, I, it, Tampa seems to, as they have gone on here, they have gotten more confident, obviously. And I do think that winning that first, uh, whatever quadruple overtime game was huge for them to get the confidence to know that they can play it any which way and still come up on top and let their, their depth win out. But, uh, yeah. And I mean, same thing goes for Dallas. I, I think I read an interview with Jamie Ben the other day where he said coming into the bubble, like, you know, a lot of teams, especially Quinn, you know, we are dialed into the Rangers. They're, they're saying, you know, this is a continuation for us. Uh, this is not training camp. You know, this is just a, a tune up to make sure we're ready and right back where we left off. Whereas Ben said that they came in and they made some changes. They said they worked on different breakout schemes. They said, if we're bonus said, we're, what we're going to do is that there's some things from the regular season we need to make adjustments on. And they did. And because they're an older group, I think they picked it up pretty quick and they understood what they had to do. They didn't really have to, you know, and then obviously the young guys see the older guys doing it. They catch on a bit quicker. And, you know, the Rangers could have never have done that. You know what I mean? No. They have so many rel- recently fresh players who, you know, first season for a few guys, second and third season for other guys. So, yeah, it's just that, that was never going to be realistic for them. But it just goes to show you that that's the way it's coming. Is that like you said, it's got to be you have to play your system with a purpose and, uh, to yeah to just to be able to take a look at yourself and say like this is currently what we're doing and it might work it might have worked in these circumstances but it's not going to work in the next circumstances we're going into and to have the confidence to say this is how we're going to change it and how everyone almost understand and buy in almost immediately and have it pay dividends is huge so yeah i think dallas and tampa bay obviously deserve all the credit in the world because they really have had to like every game has been its own little different. It's not just been them trying to ram their, their own individual style down your throats. It's been more of like, we're going to, if we want to play this way, these are the adjustments we're going to have to make. And, and, you know, God bless both of them. They've done it. Right. And you, 
like you couldn't have said it better with each game being its own different little mini series because you see the teams that lost and they were just unable to change. I, I thought Colorado was the best, you know, a top two team out of the West, but given their injuries and their goalie problems, it's like they really didn't have the assets to, you know, change the style in which they play. They literally just were like, we have a line here. We have a couple forwards and just let's pray that we outscore the opponent because there's really nothing else that we can do there. Our back end is hurt. Our, our depth is, is, has taken a toll. So, you know, that's what we're going to do. They couldn't change. Dallas was able to be like, you know what? They want to play the run and gun game. You know, we're just going to be that pesky team that, that opens things up and, and, you know, generates offense. And you know what? We have a better goaltender. Your goaltender stinks and we're going to outscore you. And they were able to do it. Um, and then, you know, and then they, you know, I, I just didn't think, you know, I don't know if it's an ego problem, but, you know, the, the uh, Golden Knights weren't able to, you know, adapt. You know, they just kind of just stuck with the same old game and it just, you know, it didn't work. It didn't work against Dallas. And I think both of these teams kind of, you know, came into the bubble and they, you know, I think Tampa did it this year. Uh, they were going to do it this year where they, they got rid of the ego being, you know, the best team in the East and kind of said, you know, we got to take on the, our opponent and respect our opponent. I think they did that this year. And I think Dallas, you know, kind of said, you know, like you said, they made changes. They weren't afraid to, to change who they were. And, you know, they've kind of been called out by management and their coaching staff, you know, in the past two seasons. And you know what? They, they 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 deserve everything they're getting right now because you know they're as a team it's gonna they're gonna be really tough to beat and I really and I think Tampa can beat them I just don't know if Tampa's healthy enough to to beat them in a seven game series so uh, gun to your head who's the winner I think Tampa can do it I just I do have a feeling that they can they can do it and that's not a knock on Dallas. I think it's going to go six games at least. Six or seven games. It's not going to be a short one, but I don't I think I just think Tampa will not be denied and I think if they can somehow get even if Stamkos plays limited minutes if he's able to come back and they only just play him on the hell they can only play him on the left circle in the power play, that's an infusion. You know, yeah. he was you know, we tend to forget he was uh, I think he's their second leading scorer this season so uh yeah and uh like yeah but i not to yeah. not to try to play both sides that being said dallas has been great and everyone in dallas has been good except tyler sagan or has been at least effective so if he finally whatever's going on if he finally figures it out like you know uh oh <laughs> so yeah. it's real this is a real tough one because usually i'm like you can kind of say like, all right, this is the team that should win every season. Uh, I don't really know, man. I, I do. I do. I'm going to say Tampa just cause it, like I had said, I get more of a feel of like they, I think both teams have something to prove, but I do feel like Tampa has this thing is that we don't care how long it takes us. Even if games go to double quadruple overtime, we're going to win. So yeah, that's what I'm going to go to. And obviously, Hedman. I was going like to say, said, it seems like if he, he will be the best, best player on the ice. Smythe. Yeah, he right now he's the best hockey player on the face of the earth. And yes. Oh my god. It's just one of those things where you know you, you see it in so many in so many sports, especially basketball, where like a LeBron James, you just see him take over the game, and it doesn't really matter who the other four players are out there. It just he dictates the play. 
And, yeah. you know, Hedman is the LeBron James right now of hockey where no matter, even though he's a defenseman, he's dictating the offense. He, you know, he, he's getting back and he's winning the, the pucks in the corner. And, you know, as soon as he gets the puck on a stick, the puck, you know, is going to be not only broken out of the zone, but it's going to be broken out of the zone with a purpose. And it, it's just amazing to watch him elevate his game. You know, obviously he's one of the best defensemen in the league, but now he's elevated his game even more where now he's the best player on earth. Are you at Kenny Rogers now? Or no, that's your... No, (laughs) no, no, no. It's just my display name. It's still at Ken Stabar, but... Is Rogers your middle name? Sorry, I don't even know. No, you don't know who Kenny Rogers is? The gambler? No. What? I'm I'm a deer in headlights, buddy. I'm a deer in headlights. Anyways, Kenny Rogers, very infamous country singer. And also just what the O-Dog has deemed my nickname. He just keeps calling me Kenny Rogers or referring to me in the third person as the gambler. So O-Dog. He was roasting me the other day on Overdrive on uh, on Labor Day because I shot him a text message during the show. No way. I have to say something. Kenny Rogers, I know you can hear this right now. Don't ever text me on my personal phone. He just texted me and said, I'm doing updates, guy. <laughs> I love it. Good man, Kenny. He's no, in there Kenny. working. <laughs> <laughs> but he was roasting me on air, man. I was at work doing the updates, and he was saying that I got the day off, so I had to defend my honor. Not Another Leafs Podcast. New episodes Mondays on the Hockey Podcast Network. You know, I think if, if the Island, Islanders fans have any consolation, they can, uh, you know, they can revel in the fact that in a redraft, John Tavares would go second overall to Victor Hedman at this point. So, you know. Yeah. Oh, and, you know, and I, I did want to say one thing, that taking off my uh, rivalry cap, I do think, because I know now Islanders fans are getting, like, you know, everyone else is like, oh, thank God, so boring. Like, Rangers fans obviously shitting on them. Like, just every, you know, so everyone's like, thank God, like, they're not that good, they're old, they're screwed. Honestly, at the end of the day, I do have to give them props because, you know, they should have been on paper. I thought they were going to get steamrolled and they really didn't. And they really did put that seed of doubt. Yeah, clearly, they didn't have the, the horses to go up against Tampa, yeah. but they almost did it. And, you know, that's obviously a credit to Barry Trotz, who might be the best coach in the league. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, it's a credit to their to their guys, because it's like, you know, even if with being an older team that this is might maybe this might have been their chance or they're they're not gonna get too many other kicks at the can like honestly with everything that's going on they need i think they needed something like this you know because they wait while they've been waiting for this arena and they've just it's just been such a mess there for so long so uh yeah honestly i'll my hat goes off to to them as much as it pains me to say that that i do think that you know gotta give credit where it's due that uh yeah they uh they definitely put some teams around the league on notice or at least showed some other teams that what you know how far you can go just by really trusting in your teammates and playing for them and doing you know playing you know it might be a boring style but just playing your system with a hundred percent belief that you can you can come overcome obstacles so yeah my hat goes off to them but that's all i'm gonna say because now my rivalry hat is back on and uh yeah fuck those guys (laughs) <laughs> yeah uh, listen i'm very happy islanders are out i'm listen i don't know if it's an old school mentality with me but i kind of love defensive strategy and i love like when there i love when there's 
teams that can shut down all-stars. You know, there's something about, you know, being able to stop the unstoppable. And yeah, it makes it feel like there's hope for the rest of us. Right, exactly. And, you know, I see it in football too. Now, you know, especially our generation, the younger generations growing up, you know, it's all about points. It's all about fantasy points. It's all about, you know, uh, the offense. No one, no one really takes pride in defense anymore. Um, and, you know, everyone talks about, you know, how the devil's, you know, ruined the game for about a decade there with their trap. But you know what? The, like, I like those systems. I, I think it's, you know, I think it's just as awesome as the offense. Like, just because there's no stat line for it doesn't make it, you know, any less worthy to be talked about or to be admired. And, you know, the Islanders play a pesky, a pesky system where, you know, they're gritty. They, you know, they just stop all of your momentum and they just create offense off of your, you know, inability to create offense pretty much. And I, I liked it. I appreciated what the Islanders did. And, you know, I, it would as much as like everyone says it's boring, I genuinely enjoyed watching Islander games. So, um, again, I'm glad they're knocked out. I think this Stanley Cup final is going to be awesome. And, you know, I really can't wait to see, see these teams, you know, go and go at it. Uh, I believe the series starts Saturday. Uh, yeah. All right. So, I mean, geez, I don't know. I really don't know. It's going to come down to if Tampa is healthy enough, they're the better team. But, uh, with the way 2020 is going, maybe Dallas sweeps. I don't know. Um, but I do want to get into a couple things. Um, uh, Rangers related number one, the, I saw a tweet. I went on, I saw a tweet of people taught maybe uh, is it GMs or coaches saying that they would take Byfield first. What is this? Are we going to do this like right up to the draft where people are planting seeds into the universe of the Rangers not taking Lafreniere? Yeah. Uh, and I mean, honestly, maybe, it's definitely going to be louder for Rangers fans because a, they own the first overall pick, but you know, teams had to deal. Uh, obviously Edmonton had to deal with it with Taylor versus Tyler. Um, you know, there's some, there's some off years, but you know, for Kako and Hughes, it was definitely cause we didn't maybe cause we had the second pick in the first, it was like, well, maybe they take Kako cause we love Kako or telling ourselves we love Kako so much. Cause we're probably going to end up with him. It you know, it happens, but yeah, I mean, and listen, uh, as a, as someone who is a big prospect fan, I I 100% acknowledge and say that I do think I don't and I don't think it's a strong chance like people make it out to be, you know, who are who are saying this, but I do think there is a chance that at the end when the dust clears and you look at the two you're like, "Oh, I probably would take Byfield." But as it stands today, hell no, I'm not taking him. Like you're taking the proven commodity in Lafreniere who will be you I mean, you know, simply put, just to, he is, when I look at everyone in this draft, Lafreniere is the best problem solver uh, I've seen in a long time. And and that includes last year's draft, just as a, like, you know, because everyone talks about how well-rounded he is, but I don't think if anyone uses everything they have in their, their tool bag, whether it's their hands and their IQ and their vision and their feet and their physicality, and just parlays it together like he does. So... He's a, he's a pretty short thing. He doesn't really have any deficiencies. 
and he just has a winning pedigree and he's put up elite numbers. So it's just like you take him. So the Rangers are not going to not take him. They're not trading him. Uh, you know, all right. Uh, I, I, yeah, but so you have another question. Sorry. No, no, no. I just I'm I really don't like the collusion that's going on now in <laughs> hockey Twitter, where you know people are now saying yeah, rumor has it that actually a majority no, of the GMs would take. You know, they're trying to get clicks. Like last year, you know, that stuff comes in. It's like, oh, well, two two teams said they would take Kako first overall. You yeah. know, one of them was probably the Rangers, if that's true, and. I I really don't try not to put too much stock into that stuff because there is, there is, they listen, uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see craftier GMs try to put stuff, you know, some GMs like smoke screens and some just like to go about their business. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I don't know, is Steve Eiserman a guy who there's a player he really wants? Is he not beneath like sending out like a, like a, a rumor that is like, oh, his team really covets this guy like that. Uh, the team behind him will, be fearful you know who they really want if they can get that intel and then they say oh you know listen we're gonna take this guy but like if you know listen we are also we kind of see him neck to neck with this guy so i guess if you want to make it worth our while we can swap you know four and five maybe with ottawa or something you know what i mean like yeah so yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of jockeying for position going on so uh yeah they're gonna you're gonna hear it but it's don't the rangers have picked once in their you know what? Nineteen it was nineteen twenty five. Was it ninety five years? Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah. nine. Yeah, ninety. Yeah, coming on ninety five year history. They, they picked once in nineteen sixty five, I believe. I don't remember the guy's name, but he didn't play. He never played a game never in the NHL. <laughs> so, so no, they are going to enjoy what the universe has put in their lap, and you know, especially just because there are maybe some organizations I would think would would go on a limb and galaxy brain it, but you know, with between bringing Stephen McDonald's badge and all the talk about like, no, we're not going to tank. We're going to do the right thing and we'll be good to the game. The game will be good to us back. They've followed that to a T and it paid off wonderfully for them. So if they almost, if they turned around and tried to like get cute with it, like I could, yeah, it would not go well. So yeah, just take a sure thing. And Ranger fans aren't going to care. Like, honestly, you look at the amount of talent they have. Yeah. Byfield, but you have Kako and Lafreniere now for the next 15 years. Who do you think ultimately makes the pick like i mean i'm regardless obviously the rangers are drafting one so it's pretty easy for them but if you get a team like four like if the rangers draft in fourth who's making the final call do you think jd has enough stout in the organization to be like no i I mean or does he allow gorton to he jd lets his guys who he trusts do you know he 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 didn't really come and shake too much stuff up because he believed in what Gorton and, and Glenn and Chris, you know, and he knows obviously he was a Ranger himself. So he has, has reverence for the, the organization anyway. And he liked what they were doing. So, you know, maybe he, he definitely offers his input and, you know, what I like about him as opposed to, uh, you know, maybe when Sather or uh, who was in that, that spot before JD, um, what's his name? Uh, oh. Yeah. You know, who I'm talking about. I yeah. Can't remember. Uh, what Jim Schoenfeld? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, was in that spot is that JD is a guy who, because he's a, a, he's a warm personality. He definitely, you see, he has more interactions with the players and the prospects, you know, maybe more, he, maybe he's a little bit more hands-on or at least involved, but maybe not so much like a shadow figure. You know, he's not like, maybe not so much like Lou or whatever, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I think he's got a lot of trust for, uh, for Jeff and his team. I do wonder, you know, um, 
I do much. I do wonder how much longer Gordy Clark will be there. Director of scouting. I do wonder if Nick Bobrov does take over the reins one day, but um, yeah, I mean the last, the last two seasons, I, you know, it's kind of winning one, two last year and one this year definitely has eased a lot of the pressure to make them count. Cause you know, they had a step in with Kaka last year. That was a slam dunk. So it didn't really matter what they did. Yeah. And honestly, yeah, I, I mean, I like, I liked, uh, I've liked, you know, I like the Robertson pick. Yeah. They, they've, I like the Zach Jones pick. It just, yeah. You look at some of their, you know, some of their after their later round stuff like crafts off is, uh, after a rough year last year is currently leads the KHL and shots on well, goal. And, I want to talk and about account, that. Yeah. Okay. We'll get to that next. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, so, uh, yeah, I think, I think JD gets, I mean, sorry, I think Jeff gets final say, uh, but Jeff is also a guy who I think trusts his scouting. And I think he's a guy like, you know, like he'll watch games, but at the same time, it's a, it's a kind of by committee thing. It's, I'm sure it's democratic and they hear everyone out, but they'll, they'll, they'll come into the draft with their list and it will be, everyone will have signed off on it. I don't think there'll be any weird sour grapes of that. Like some guys like I didn't get my, like we were like, we're making a huge mistake here. I don't ever see that happening. Yeah. And, and I do think too, even drafting, um, you know, at 22nd, we are, uh, you know, that pick is, is so dependent on what happens prior that it's like, you can't even really have an opinion other than it might not make it. They might not make hope these five guys are available and hopefully, yeah, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they traded it for a player, a younger player who's already in the league. Like it seems they've been some weird, there's been talk of it. And there's also been the Rangers like put out some social media stuff being like, you know, like talking about, it was, it was like a weird video that came out like two weeks ago where it was like, you know, uh, Truba and Adam Fox were signed with all that draft capital the Rangers have, you know, acquired. And here's uh, Steve Alcat talking about the importance of draft capital, almost as if they were saying, like, we have Lafreniere, don't get too attached to that 22nd pick. It really did felt like it. I mean, yeah. if nothing materializes and they make the pick, they make the pick. But uh, I'll say my my own personal feelings are they either? I think that if they had their brothers, they could use it and some combination of Georgiev or another sweetener to get a young player they really like. Um, that is that is at that value. And if they do end up keeping it, I wouldn't be surprised if they go maybe a little bit safer with the pick in, in terms of just saying like this kid is like a top six or bust type player. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've been wrong before. I've actually been wrong a lot, but it just kind of, I kind of get that sense. I feel like they've, they've already got so many young promising impact players potentially coming that they're like, honestly, you know, these are you, right now they're fresh up the, it's like, there'll be less distance from the playoffs than ever. You know, they, they, the sting is still there. They're a team that's like trying to rebuild, even though they kind of had a little taste of it. So I think they're very acutely aware of what they're missing. So whether or not you want that, you know, you probably don't want, that to be why you do things but i think they're just a team because they have the you know i think uh, the athletic ranked them the number one or young organization with you know in terms of uh their pipeline under 22 or 23 in the league um and that was before lafreniere not counting towards that that yeah i just think they say this is what we need here's a player i think is a fairly safe bet to get there you know they'll play in the show they'll be important in these these runs they are not going to light the world on fire but you know you need them and if they can be homegrown like that's all the better so yeah if they don't trade it i wouldn't surprise if they just if they pick uh you know like a ridley greg or um yeah i don't know or like a a center 
who's maybe unspectacular, but you have a, a strong feeling that they'll like they'll stick in the league. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. I mean, like there's a few teams that definitely, obviously, the Coyotes need a first round pick. Um, I don't think the Rangers and Islanders would ever do anything together. It's no, Lou, you know, as long, you know, the Rangers fine. When Lou was gone, they were Rangers and the Devils finally able to get something together. Lou will never deal with uh, the, the, I think Lou could be the general manager of the, like, you know, the Winnipeg Jets and they will never, he would, he would, he wouldn't be able to separate himself. He would never trade with the Rangers, you know? Uh, but yeah, so unfortunately, Although, you know, it's funny because it's like right after now, like you imagine guys like Matt Martin are coming back. I wonder if Boomer is, is pushing for him to test the, you know, because I think the Rangers, when he was a free agent last time, went to Toronto. I think the Rangers inquired about him. So who knows? Yeah, I don't like him. Not I, that I want Matt Martin. Yeah, I my don't team, want but... Martin. It's just like one of those things where he, like I just know him as a freaking Islander. And it's just like, yeah, the stink. like Ryan Strom wasn't there long enough for me to be like, oh, this guy's an Islander, you know? Like, yeah, really no, no. Strom had and, and he went to Edmonton, obviously, so that helps. It, but it's like there are certain there are certain guys yeah. on the team I could never like. It would make me like sick to my stomach to see like uh, Cal Clutterbuck yeah. as a as a Ranger, or absolutely would. Uh, Casey Sezikis, I actually really like, so I wouldn't mind him as a Ranger at all. But you know, um, but yeah, no Martin, no, no. yeah, yeah. It's I don't know. It's just one of those. <laughs> he's one of those guys because he was there like when they kind of stunk too, like. Like he's been an Islander for so long and it's just like his role too as the agitator and he's just like he yeah. looks like a freaking he looks like an Islander. Like he, about him. that is the perfect way to say it. He looks he does, he looks like an Islander. He's got a he's got a big dumb Easter Island head. And yeah. then although, you know, honestly, they'll Ranger I mean Islanders fans are probably starting to feel that way about Brendan Lemieux, that he looks like a, like a Ranger, so and that's yeah. the way we want it. So yeah, Exactly. Yeah. Uh it keeps the you know, the rivalry alive. Yeah. Players like that. Um Okay, so obviously Kratzoff has had uh, a fire week. He- hell of a start, yeah. Yeah. What with the way this kid is playing right now, obviously we don't know what's gonna happen with the NHL in the future, but let's just say like hypothetical speaking, they you know, they're gonna start Christmas. I mean, this kid is obviously I feel like he's ready. Yeah, he should be. I mean, just watching him and, you know, it's funny just watching him. He's, you know, he, cause he's, he's always been a wiry kid. He looks like he put a little bit of muscle on, not a lot. I think he's always going to be like a stringier guy, but you know, you saw watch some of the highlights and you see how much that ranginess really adds to his skill set. but he's just doing so much more of the he's doing more in playing over in the KHL right now he looks he's playing more of a north american uh you know and i i you know i hate saying that because i don't want to make it sound like you know nikita zadorov is played you know overseas and he is like plays a really gritty game it's not that they're inherent it's just that you know it's just that physicality we is that is on a you know at face value is associated with north american hockey but he's doing the things that you are maybe more attuned to the national hockey league and that he you see him going to the net more and he's being feisty in corners and he's setting more personal picks and he's it's less just kind of constantly moving around and knowing when he really needs to stop and try to be a pre- like a threat near the net and back checking like a like a mf or he i watched his best game yesterday i watched him live on uh a site which I will not disclose on here, um, but 
you know, he was amazing. He, he would literally, you know, his teammates, that tractor team he's on there, there's some talent, but they're still, they're not as bad as they were last year, but they're still not great. And, you know, it, his teammates wouldn't be able to really get him the puck back when he tried to make good plays. So a few times he just took it into his own hands and either scored or like would make a beautiful move and then get it on his backhand and almost score. But then it goes the other way and he gets on his horse immediately and he back checks all the way down the ice. And I was just watching this. And I was like, this, this is exactly what Rangers fans wanted, wanted to see. So, um, you know, all reports were that they were very happy with how he conducted himself with the Rangers and practicing both at camp. And then they brought him into the bubble. And even though he didn't play, his attitude was good. And I think it was good for both parties. Cause I think he, he really showed it. You know, you can tell it really showed him just playing, practicing with the big club with consistent time and not in this weird, like I have to show them what I'm about type of thing is that, yeah, I think it just was good for all parties involved. So, uh, Honestly, the Kate, so that season's underway. So you'll Rangers fans will at least be able to watch him this season. You know, you can, yep. you can figure out how, uh, but you're by yourself, but, um, yeah. And I mean, when that's, I don't really, unless he totally beasts it, I don't really see tractor making the playoffs. So by the time, if the NHL does come back sometime after January, his season will just all about be over. So then he can, he'll be ready to come in and he'll have, you know, he'll have uh, a full season in the KHL under his belt and, you know, where other guys will have been off for a while. So there should, he should be ready to hit the ground running. Yeah. And you know, as a little experiment, I just Googled New York Rangers and it's all crafts off pipe. I mean, (laughs) the kid is just, it it is kind of ridiculous. Like how the start that he got kind of off to. And he was on sports center last night. Really? I mean, they had, they showed his goal. Shock, but he made the top, the top 10 highlights for the night. I, I got a question for you. Yeah, sure. Do you think the rumors are true that like Disney kind of resents the NHL a little bit? Disney, Not like, yeah, because well, uh, I've never, like, I've never heard this. You might have to enlighten me about what, what. Well, is. when Disney got the Mighty Ducks involved, yeah, and they were kind of butthurt with the way the NHL was was kind of ran. I, this is, I mean, listen, I have no idea if this is true, but this is like kind of the vibe that I've gotten. Uh, reading things, this is, which is why the NHL is never really featured on ESPN and that, why they don't cover it. Um, was part of it was you know just the experience that Disney had with the NHL, and they were kind of rubbed the wrong way. And you know after they got rid of you know the Mighty Ducks became the just the Anaheim Ducks. Um, they kind of you know cut their ties with the NHL kind of altogether. And like very rarely will they show hockey highlights. Mm, yeah, I mean, I really, honestly, I really don't know. I don't see uh, because I'm trying to think. Does Disney and Disney and, and Fox Sports don't have any connection, do they? No, Disney mm. owns ESPN. Um, yeah. Um. No, I don't think so. I don't. I don't really. I think Disney is more of a monolithic wants to make money more than anything else. So I, I don't think they would uh, necessarily, I don't think they'd hold a, a grudge that long if that was the case. All right. And I have um, one, I have yeah, one sure. more question for you too. Uh, Low HUD, which I believe is the, is that the Lower organization? HUD? That's where Vin- um, Vince, Vince Mercagliano works for. Yeah. Yeah. So NHL mock draft 2.0, Seth Jarvis falls to number 22. Not, not happening, but nice to think about. 
Okay, so I just thought I, just, I, I love you know I listen I I, clicks, I, love, I, get I love Vince but I read that article and it seemed a lot of you know clicking on a generator and and I just I don't know if that's a, a you know I mean listen there's a unless lot of he like I mean it would propaganda this is gonna be it's gonna only get worse no yeah I know I'm I'm well aware you know from what you know I listen everyone has their own little like things and they read and to it's hard to take what's true and what's not because there's a lot of people that don't know anything, but mm-hmm. there for, for everything else, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. Uh, you know, I, I have some suspicions and I've also, I'm not going to speak to them on here, but I've also cross reference with some people that may know things above my pay grade or their pay grade about some players the Rangers might like. Uh, and listen, I mean, you know, at, there's so much depends because, you know, at the goaltender Askarov, who's the only goalie who will probably go in the first round, pitched a shutout, you know, against an excellent team for uh, CSKA Moscow the other yeah, yesterday. So, you know, and all these European prospects starting up, like how the how the field of prospects has shaped out in terms of everyone's like, all right, this guy's here, this guy's here, roughly consensus. It's going to change because now all of a sudden Lucas Raymond, who had a maybe didn't have the best season, is off to a a much better start, you know what I mean? Cause they, yeah. they get to play and some prospects are going to play, you know, overseas for leading up to, you know, this season because they don't know, you know, the CHL apparently still wants to go ahead in December, but until then, like these kids haven't played their their season got cut short and they haven't played since March. So they're like, we got to get some, get on the ice. So if I have to go over to uh, Switzerland or Sweden or Finland or whatever it might be, they're going to do it. So and, and that's going to influence things. You know, scouts will say, oh, well, no, our lists are locked in and we don't want to let recency. Yeah, that's bullshit. Of course you are. Like if you if you thought like, I really like this guy, but his skating sucks. And then all of a sudden you watch him now and you're like, oh, man, it's like his skating is way better. Like Tyson, uh, there's I saw clips of a kid, Tyson Forrester, who's kind of been a set talk about a late, you know, a, usually an early second, maybe possibly potentially late round first. And it looks like he's really been working on his skating this summer, which was a, a bit one of his only weaknesses. He's a pretty solid player. He just, you know, doesn't skate all that well. But now it looks like he's working on it and he looks a little bit better, you know, from just uh, from face value. And that that's might influence your decision. So, um, yeah, I mean, I sorry when I when I start talking about prospects, I get rant and then I kind of forget what the initial point was. But um, uh, no, I mean, yeah, I think it's it'll definitely these it'll definitely influence what how gms look at players and who who goes where but i would love a seth jarvis at 22 that would be a steal you know uh yeah. i would you know and i'm we're, we're definitely gonna have a full-on leading up to the draft we'll have a full-on like if we know they still have that pick like who are the who are the realistic targets and like what they bring to the table we'll definitely we should definitely do that but um just you know just as a perfunctory like i'll say Jarvis there would be a huge if he somehow fell because he's maybe a bit smaller and they don't know if he can do that against NHL competition. You take him, you're, you're laughing. Lafreniere and Jarvis in the first round is a a home run, you know. So yeah, I would I, love it, but I just don't. I don't see it. I think there's too much talk about him potentially getting taken higher than people thought. So I don't necessarily all of a sudden think it's going to go the opposite and he's going to fall to 22. But yeah, I mean, obviously, you never know what clicks and stuff like that, but. You know, I mean, you never know. Things crazier things have happened, and uh, you know, I, I do think I, I the only opinion I have on the draft, and there's no reason to even listen or entertain this thought, is that given the role 
the defensemen have played, especially with Dallas and Tampa in this year, I really do think you might see a lean in people drafting maybe defensemen that could really like offensive defensemen could be like a theme be taken higher than what, you know, they were projected to go. That's my only, and we'll have to see for the draft, obviously. And, uh, and we'll obviously break down the draft too. But um, that's my only thought process. It's just that like people may, these GMs might see what was successful this year and draft accordingly. That's all I'm saying. No, yeah. Yeah. Listen, like we said, every year they always say like, oh, well, best BPA, best player available, recency bias. Uh, and every year I see how they, we, they say that. And yet Cole Caulfield still falls to 12 because he's tiny or whatever. Yeah. You know, Braden, Braden Point still doesn't get picked until late because he's got a bad force plate. And in scouts go, he'll never be an athlete. And now he's like <laughs> one of the top 10 players in the league. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it's like, I, you know, they, they, they always say this or say like, oh, no, we take best player available. And they always convince themselves. Ah, well, no. And listen, I get it because they're the for every, you know, yeah, for every Braden Point, there's like how many like uh, smaller, you know, St. Croix or. Uh, I don't know, just like, or you could say for, you could think you, people thought Jonathan Marchessault was a bust until he was 24, 25. And all of a sudden he's like, oh, wait, uh, never mind. I figured it out. And now he's a, he's a top player. So it's just, you just don't know. And it's, it's like, it's, you do your best, you do your homework and you hope, but there's a, listen, I mean, drafting players is sometimes two players that play exactly the same style and skate kind of similar and even seem to have the same offensive grasp on the game. And one of them makes and the other one doesn't. And you just don't, they both have good family backgrounds and they both seem pretty well adjusted and willing to work hard. And just one makes and the other one doesn't. So it's just, it's definitely not a science, but you ever, obviously you have to do everything with your power to try to narrow it down. But, you know, as far as that Rangers 22nd pick goes, um, you know, I think, because they've they've got they have the luxury of having two absolute guarantees in Kako and Lafreniere these last two drafts and Kraftsoff looking like he'll be yet another guarantee. Well, then maybe they just say, as much as I would love a player like Jarvis, they say like, you know, a we got to pay all these kids one day, and b, you know, this team really does lack a dependable, hardworking center with size who can who can do the little things and make plays, but it's just not gonna carry them you don't count on him to carry the mail or drive his line or whatever you know so yeah and uh you know it, it, it'll be interesting uh i think this off season will be very intriguing uh to see how what teams do um you know i think this year look before obviously covid i i thought the nhl had a little bit of a coaching carousel going on uh i do i you know obviously lava uh just signed um, you know, it's the overall, I'm very excited to see. I think teams are not afraid to make big changes here. I do think you'll see some big changes. I think the success of Dallas will probably m- give the idea that teams are closer to a Stanley cup than they originally thought. Uh, and you know, I do, I do think the, the trend of the goaltending of, of needing two strong goaltenders is becoming more apparent after this series. So I think this off season will be, uh, you know, very interesting to see what teams do. Yeah. I mean, listen, there's so many narratives in this off season, a not knowing how long it'll be, right. be uh, a lot of teams in desperate financial trouble. 
you might see some ch- teams change ownership hands. That might influence uh, teams are going to desperately want to shed salary. Uh, Ariz, I think the Coyotes could be in big trouble here. Um, yeah, I mean, te- obviously, like you said, the recency of seeing a team, a, an older team like Dallas, some teams who are who are ready to to yeah, who who thought like, oh, maybe we should rebuild, are now like, no, like it all it took for them was like the right mix. We can find the right mix, you know, whatever they have to convince themselves to to lie to themselves. So you you already see uh, Bill Guerin just making moves for the sake of making moves because something has to change. Uh, I still don't get the Eric Stahl for trade for like, oh you know, I, I guess I understand you're getting younger, but the player isn't much better. You didn't get extra assets for him. Like, you know, I understand Stahl is old, so maybe that hurts his value too, but he's still currently the better player. I, I love it from Buffalo's perspective. But at the same time, you know what? He's right. Like, you know, sometimes organizations need to move on. And you, sometimes that means you're taking a bath that you have to rip the bandaid off. Like Toronto and Phil Kessel was never going to work. So they just... They ripped the bandaid off, and yes, Kessel goes on to win a, a con Smythe in an excellent, uh, or no, sorry, he doesn't get, he gets robbed of a con Smythe, but is excellent in Pittsburgh in their cup runs. Um, but sometimes this is what you have to do; you just have to move on. So yeah, it'll be very interesting because different teams, the more financially solvent teams, will definitely be able to. I'm happy that the Rangers are in a better spot to navigate these waters without having to do additional things like shed salary or all these. Some of these other teams are going to be looking to do because. Uh, yeah, you're going to see it and you're going to see a lot of weird moves we, we don't really quite understand and they're going to happen for non-hockey related, you know, more hockey ops reasons than ho- on ice reasons. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's it, it's again, I do think like you know, it's a good position that we're in. I mean, you said it best that the Rangers are more of a in a in a growing phase right now and and you know, our I think our tracks are are set in front of us where we know where what direction we need to go in and you know, it's kind of just smooth sailing for us for the, you know, this draft and this off season. I feel like there's no pre- still no pressure on us. We're still young enough to to be quote unquote rebuilding, and you know, it, there's there's really no pressure in our management. There's no pressure in the coaching. Um, you know, there's really no pressure in the younger players right now. Uh, I think you know everyone knows that this is still a process and. Again, it's going to just be a fun off season for us, and hopefully, we get a hard date or at least a uh, a tentative date to look forward to uh, around draft time. So, uh, you know, because I feel like that will be now the focal talking point once the draft is done. Is all right. Well, what are we looking at here? So, um, I, I I mean, that's all I have for for today. Yeah. I don't know if you have any any final thoughts. And- uh, yeah. So I. I, I- just, I want to say three things finally, and then I guess we'll we'll bid you all adieu. One, we, I would like to congratulate Jim Montgomery for returning to coaching. He's going to come oh, behind yes. uh, the St. Louis bench. You know, you're ha- always happy to see someone who maybe is going through something and have personal struggles take the time, overcome, and be able to like get back to a place they want to be. And yeah, like you said, they Dallas was doing pretty good with him on before that all went down. So he's clearly a good coach, and you know it's a uh, glad to see see him back in the NHL. And, and yeah, it's a good story, and it just goes to show that you know what, no matter what you're going through, that you know with the good support and and uh, yeah, and just strength of mind and perseverance, like you know it's one of those things that it's an ongoing thing. It doesn't just stop now that he's back, but you know it's just nice to see that he was able to get back to the place he wants to be, you know, at least professionally. And yeah, we wish him all the best and continued success. Um, 
too. Uh, I guess it's sad to say that, you know, the, the wild announced Miko Koivu will not be re-signed for next season. You know, he's a, uh, what he was a lifelong Minnesota wild player, right. Uh, and their captain. So obviously sad, uh, to see him go, uh, you do wonder if he if he hangs it up or if he pull, finds a one year deal maybe somewhere or two year or tries to go to a contender or who knows. Yeah, I don't know what situation he's looking for. And honestly, for speaking from a Rangers fan perspective, the final thing I'll say is the uh, speaking of Miko Koivu, the buyout window opens the twenty fifth. Uh, today is as we're recording this. This is Friday the eighteenth, so that means what uh, the the. Tw- 21st this episode drops on the 21st if it's a monday so yeah so by you know not this pod you're listening to by the next pod uh henrik lundquist might not be a ranger anymore uh so if that happens obviously we're gonna have to have a whole episode about it and talk to talk about it but yeah i mean just be be prepared uh, if that's because it's looking like that's a realistic possibility that he gets bought out so but yeah we'll see uh a lot of oh, it's a weird, unprecedented time and a very strange offseason, but uh, a lot of stuff's going to happen. It's, just, it's kind of it's really hard to predict what. So that's kind of, but that's kind of what makes it so fun. So we'll see you all next week, and uh, yeah, just go online and figure out how to watch Vitaly Kravtsov play up the KHL because it's worth the price of admission. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.